Welcome to another week of the Fiber Coven podcast. We're so happy to be hanging out with each other, hanging out with you all and talking about some yarny stuff and some witchy stuff. We'll kick it off with news, which is usually where in the world you can find Emily as it is today. I will be on tour with Kemper Ray of Junk Yarn very soon. We will be at Boston Fiber Co. on the 31st of May. We will be at Circle of Stitches in Salem, Massachusetts on June 1st. That one's in the evening. I think it will be from 4 to 7 p.m. 4 to 9 p.m.? 4 to 9 p.m. That's the right time. Uh, And then we will be at uh, Skein Yarn Shop on Saturday, uh, June 4th. And sorry, can't say dates, June 3rd and 4th. And uh, that will be in Providence, Rhode Island, because that's where Skate and Yard Shop is. So if you live close to those places, maybe come see us. There's some cool stuff coming out for this. Kemper has a bunch of new colors and new bases. I have brand new charms, stitch markers. I have the brand new witchy pocket, or not witchy pocket, mermaid pocket coming out. And I also have a pocket familiar that is a cat coming out so these are all very exciting things that you can get soon lauren has uh examples to show off she's got the pocket familiar cat and the little charm set which has a floppy disk a cassette tape and a uh, game boy controller and or a uh, super nintendo like controller and it goes with the ghost game charm so you could get a four pack if you don't have the ghost game charm yet they're lovely thank you enjoy them Sweet. And where else are you going to be? I will also be in my hometown of Louisville at PopCon Louisville. That is June 16th through 18th at the Kentucky Exposition Center. And it's a big Comic-Con. And it's a Comic-Con that is LGBTQ plus owned. So that's super cool. Their original PopCon event is in Indianapolis, but they are moving to Louisville for the first time. So let's come out and support that show because it would be cool to have a nice Louisville pop culture con that's so close to my house. Thank you. (laughs) Sounds awesome. Rad. Yes, we can jump into some yarny stuff. Mm -hmm. Neither of us finished anything. Nope. Um, (laughs) It's okay. Uh, But did we both work on our blankets? Um, I didn't really work on my blanket, but I'd love to see your blanket. (laughs) I am doing the heirloom temperature blanket by Soraya Hussain, and I have Ooh, done yeah. since you guys saw me last. Got another couple inches in on my blankie. The blankie is huge. Um, you can very much see where we had a cold snap. It goes from lots of yellows and oranges every other row to just nothing but back to blues and grays. We had a, a wet, wet cold stretch, and now we're back to spring weather. And uh, it's making me spring colors. I do too. It's good to have a change. Uh, You can't really see it too well, but the the pattern for May is really cool. It's called La Alhambra, and it's just a really cool like motif you'd see in like some sort of Mediterranean tile or something cool like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, blanket, hooray! And I've been working on too much else that's interesting. What have you got that's interesting? I worked on my vanilla socks a bit Mm -hmm. while doing, you know, driving and stuff. This is the second sock. Uh, These are my Jawol commercial yarn socks that I'm making myself. I'm like basically to the heel. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there is that. And then I also worked quite a bit on my sweater 
which is the Mema pattern by Pip and Pin Knits. And I am knitting it in Junkyard Penelope. Ooh. And I swear I've worked on this a ton, but it like, you know, looks the same basically because I'm on that straight part of the raglan sweater post the sleeve mm -hmm. separation. So I'm trying to find here. This is how far I've gotten. So I've done that much. In yeah, the past it looks like week. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yep. It's really pretty. I love the color. It's nice and light pink with some little pastel pops. And it's got some good texture in the pattern. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. I was hoping to finish it for my tour, but I don't think that's going to happen because I have to knit that section for 14 inches. Yeah. Yeah. That might be a tall order. Mm -hmm. um, for my vanilla project, I actually got some good work in, pardon me, on my vanilla hat. I'm just about ready to fold it up for the brim. I got a good couple inches in there while I was out and about doing things. This is a uh, nitpick stroll in the koi pond colorway. It is cooling a lot. Love it or hate it. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's neat. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just doing a variation on this sock head hat. I usually made about six inches of rib before I fold it up and knit it together and then switch to stockinette stitch. This is my vanilla project. And then I really wanted to cast on with that hand spun I finished last week. So I did. I got... <laughs> all my various stages of project. Well, not all of it, a lot of it in my big old yarn and whiskey bag. Um, these are really nicely made bags and it's got this little ginkgo motif. Yarn and whiskey uses all these really cool African fabrics, but I really liked um, the ginkgo one because although it is an African print, it's something that's like common in all parts of the world, little ginkgo motifs. Mm -hmm. All right. Anyway, I did that really cool hand spun and I wanted to immediately start knitting with it. So I did. Ooh. Um, Wow. Had to hear about it a lot. It's so big. Yeah. I, I wanted, I got a pound of this, these blended roll eggs from Rapunzel Fiber Arts and I wanted to make a garment and I decided on this like versatile tube thing with armholes. And so you can wear it a bunch of different ways. Um, Cause it's just the phase of life I'm in. And I didn't want the bottom edge to curl. And I was experimenting with that. I actually cast this on and pulled it out uh, several times <laughs> in the past week but I decided to go with a herringbone bottom here. And I just did about an inch and a half or two inches of herringbone and it lays flatter and I am into it. It adds a little bit of like, oomph. and I went up to, um, I use like a size 11 needles for the herringbone and then I'm back to size sixes for the stockinette body. And that makes them pretty close to the same like circumference of two, mm -hmm. but it's really fun. I absolutely love this hand spun. It's my favorite hand spun I've ever made. It's nice and light and lofty. And it's like a gray tonal gray base with lots of flex of colors. And it makes me happy. I've almost knit up a full skein of it. And I have another skein that's already been made. And I have like all my plies and stuff in here because I'm in the process of spinning more. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I think we should call this your chaos sweater. It is my chaos garment. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yes. Have you been working on anything else? I made hundreds of charm cards yesterday while I was being an election <laughs> officer. <laughs> That's very good. What a good. There's so many of them. Look That's great. Oh, wow. That is a whole box of them. And it's not the only box of them. Wow. So many. Yep. The things you can do when you have 12 hours and only check in, you know, like couple hundred voters 
Mm-hmm. Primary. Mm-hmm. Boring, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, I did acquire some things because you sent me multiple packages. We forgot to talk about the things we sent each other last week, but that's okay. We did, yeah. You sent me lots of good stuff. Um, the enamel and regular button pin that you showed off last week, a little I put on fascist enamel pin and the Alistair Crowley button. I got those from you. I got all sorts of things. The last package you sent, I got a little possum print, which I love. And as I showed off earlier, you gave me some of the new 90s merch, which is a new little pocket familiar and the stitch marker charms with the vintage tech floppy little controller and the cassette. Love it. You also gave me a needle minder for a friend who is learning to cross stitch and some good old stickers to hand out to my new friends at Pride Events. Yay. And that's what I've got. Nice. From, all from you. <laughs> I got some stuff that I forgot to mention last week, which was the, you know, like entire Steven Universe collection of yarn from you, basically. Mm-hmm. And I also uh, went to Crafty Supermarket this past weekend and I got mm-hmm. some stuff from vendors there. I got two cute mugs um, from Tiny Cloud Ceramics, which I didn't bring with me to the studio because they're living at home and I didn't want to break them in transit. But you can see a picture of them on my Instagram if you would like. They're very cute. They are, have little sparkles and clouds on them and they're handmade mugs and I like them. Nice. I also uh, shopped with Floss and Flourish at Crafty Supermarkets uh, and I bought many things from Flush and Flourish, but I can only show you one of them uh, because some of the other things are gifts for people who are not hosts of this podcast, but here's one of them. Uh, this sprite embroidery. is a little soot sprite embroidery, and Tasha just does the best little embroideries. They're so clean, and they have so many special little touches, like this glitter that she mm-hmm. brushes on the side, that they brush on the side. Tasha's pronouns might be they, them. And these like 3D star beads that are the little petos uh, that the soot sprites eat. And this thread that the soot sprite is made out of is sparkly. So That's it's really epic. But also they do the best finishing work on embroidery hoops freaking ever as someone who has done embroidery hoops the back of this embroidery hoop is impressive the edges are all tucked in and they're tucked under this like card thing with Mm -hmm. uh the floss and flourish logo and then there is braided rope covering all of the edges it's very impressive that's really nice yes so they do awesome work a lot of it is witchy themed so check that out Yay! But maybe not if you're Lauren for reasons. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how will I put these in the show notes then? You could put it in the show notes. You can you can look at stuff just to maybe don't buy anything. From <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. Is that all you got? I got a surprise present from Chad as well. Oh. He never gets me surprise presents, so that was that was interesting. He was like, I got you this present, and it's pretty cool. He got me this cube. Oh, yeah, that's a cube. It's a cube. <gasps> it's 
colors. It's colors and the colors blend together into mm-hmm. other colors. So you can see the pink and the yellow yeah. and like orange. It's a transparent cube with different, each face seems to have a different color. And when you turn it different angles, the colors combine very prettily. Mm-hmm. You can ah. also like change your vision into multiple colors. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is from CMY Cubes and it's neat. Neat little thingy to mess with yeah that is a neat toy mm-hmm. very cool yep awesome that's my color cube hooray <laughs> <laughs> okay so today's topic for a cult corner is an interesting one i don't know why we didn't dig into this sooner but it was a very fun google today we're going to talk about a bazaar and do you want to explain the basics of what a bazaar is and what it was thought to be within folklore? Yeah. So bazaars are a mass that's found in the gastrointestinal system, and they were believed to be a universal antidote to all poisons uh, starting in the 8th century. And the practice was imported into Europe in the 11th century, and they remained really popular. As like if people thought that this was a universal cure uh, through the 18th century. And the word bazaar comes from the Persian word padzar, which literally means antidote. And that is where the practice was originated and came to Europe from as well as Persia. And the bazaar would be used by either like dropping it whole into like a drink or like shaving bits of it off like a really gross truffle. Yeah. And uh, they they came from uh, animals like deer, antelope, uh, goats, oxen, or llamas. And they form uh, when the layers of calcium and magnesium in the gastrointestinal system uh, build up around a small bit of plant fiber or a pebble that the animal ingested. And then the stomach contractions like squeeze and smooth it into a little round shape. Uh, and it's kind Flat. of... Yeah, like sea glass or a pearl. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a goat pearl. Uh, and it's like a little stomach rock tumbler in there. <laughs> it is. And mm-hmm. these things can, can form around anything that didn't get digested properly. It, they can be just basically glorified hairballs, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Mm-hmm. And since these things are common in animals that we hunted and domesticated pretty early on pretty much all cultures thought they were neat and used them basically rocks that you found inside deer guts it's pretty interesting most saw that they were first noticed and like thought of as special from like sacrificed animals yeah it was like a gift for the sacrifice or something Mm -hmm. yeah and so people all over the world thought that they were neat but not all people's use thought they were of medicinal use. Like most um, prehistoric people would keep them around for like talismans or amulets or thought they had some sort of significance, but only uh, not all parts of the world thought that they were magic, although not magic or like that they had healing properties. Many (laughs) cultures across the world thought they had healing uh, properties. I saw that they were, Wikipedia told me they were used in Chinese herbology as well. Mm -hmm. I, really enjoy how an aspect of English common law 
was over the selling of a fake bazaar. There's the caveat emptor law, which is basically uh, English common law's version of buyer beware. And that was uh, about a fraudulent bazaar sale in 1603. Mm-hmm. And my favorite story was the one in 1500s France. <laughs> there was a... <laughs> Uh, a surgeon and barber, which those were very, those that was a very medical practice back in the day. And uh, he was not, this guy named Ambrose Paré was not convinced that bazaars were antidotes, even though everybody around him thought that they were the antidote for everything. He found the perfect opportunity to test in a way that was a quote unquote ethical. It's horrendous. It's not unethical. ethical, but um, okay. <laughs> no, it was horrendously unethical, but uh, probably the best way he could find to test it, given uh, it was the 1500s. A cook in the royal kitchens was accused of stealing the the um, royalties. Silver. Right. Silverware. Sorry, I was just chasing my cat away from the stand here. <laughs> he is being quite the help. Yes. So 1500s France, Cook is accused of stealing silver from the king and sentenced to death. And our barber surgeon Ambois Paré was like, oh, can I test a bazaar on him instead of him? Well, this guy had the choice. He's like, either you get hung or we can give you a fatal dose of poison. We'll test out the bazaar. And if you live, you get to go free. And if not, you die horribly in pain. And uh, surprisingly, the uh, hairball from inside of a goat did not save him. And he spent seven hours in horrible agony and died. And Ambois Paré was like, see, bazaars are fake. And then nobody believed him. Yeah, he got a nice <laughs> I told you so moment, but there wasn't the internet yet. So they remained really popular. <laughs> There's all these really cool pictures on the internet of like European gilded bazaars and people would just basically make little jewel settings and put little crowns with jewels on top of them. They were pretty wild, pretty well sought after items. Yeah, Most they were the worth ones, 10 times their weight in gold. That's fascinating. And the ones I saw on the internet that were set in precious metals and gems tended to be the stone type, not the hairball type. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. for sure uh I, I think they looked a little bit nicer than a hairball mm-hmm. uh being mounted in your jewelry and queen elizabeth the first even had one that was set in a silver ring fancy yeah yeah and that's that's interesting the value that we placed on these things back in the day because they weren't beautiful like mm-hmm. They yeah, like, just look like it's kind of the same thing as a pearl, but a pearl is like pretty, right? But these yeah. look kind of like river rocks or something, mm-hmm. particularly ugly river rocks in some cases. Yeah. They're just not strip rock looking things, mm-hmm. and and people went through all these efforts to make them look beautiful, and that I think that's neat. Yeah, and because they were so popular, there were, of course, many fake ones uh, called pseudo-bazaars, and they were made out of all sorts of weird stuff. Like, uh, there was a group of monks in India that made ones called Goa stones, and they would make them out of, like, crushed up narwhal horn, amber, coral, gems, bones, like, random bits of things uh, and those were still really expensive, even though they weren't like legit bazaars. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, those were Jesuit monks. They weren't, um, just to be clear, these are these are all Christians doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Are we ready to talk about more modern stuff and how they show up with people today? Or did you have more back in the day folklore? Um, That's a good question. I think... <laughs> I think I have just modern stuff. Uh, I think my last thing I'll say about antiquity is that uh, because they got so popular, eventually people thought they could cure anything like they they think they could cure the plague or jaundice or like literally anything uh, and that they fell out of fashion when science began to become more popular and the written word began to become more popular so it was clear that they they weren't curing all of these things that they were supposed to be curing Mm -hmm. and we didn't know that these weren't in people or we didn't we couldn't tell that definitively that these were inside of people until semi-modern surgery and or autopsies became common. And I'm guessing that's probably around the 1700s, but it turns out people do get bazaars and you can get them from any sort of thing. They can come from foreign objects. Like they can start basically forming around some like chewed up bubble gum or like pill casings from your medications that didn't dissolve, um, you know, when the slow dissolving tablets dissolved far too slowly and they're more common in people that uh, might have um, an abnormality in their GI tract or with a specific condition um, people yeah, with I a condition they're common in people with like low mobility gastrointestinal systems right mm-hmm. yeah and you can get them um, and sometimes uh, very small babies or premature babies may, might not be able to digest certain milk proteins that might be in some formulas. So, so very young babies can get uh, a solid formation due to um, just proteins not breaking down correctly in what they've been eating. Um, you can also start ha- in humans, have them starting to form around less or non-digestible plant material and just normal things that we might eat. And then the one I thought was fascinating, it's the one that's most pretty common these days is you can get them around eating unripened persimmons. Which is weird. <laughs> yeah. And that is called, there's even a special name for it. Like, you know, the ones in babies, they're called like lactobazores or they all have totally normal names. Uh, but the persimmon one, it just cracked me up. It's like persimmon bazores have a special name just to themselves. And it's um, diospirobazores. You could tell how common it is compared to the other ones that it has its own special name, especially because like it is like a plant one, right? Like there's already a name for the plant type bazaar, but this is so common compared to all the other types of plants that it has its own name. So make sure you eat your persimmons ripened. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But if you do get a diospirobazor from eating unripe persimmons, the treatment is Diet Coke. Yeah, which is, you know, scary. <laughs> made me think my love, rethink my love of Diet Coke, that these things can dissolve uh, solid formations within the GI tract. Mm-hmm. Maybe Diet Coke is good for you to clean up, clean out the pipes. There <laughs> <laughs> <Here> you go. <laughs> oh. But the thing I found absolutely the most fascinating was a 1998 study that showed that um, 
maybe some of the degrading hair proteins in a bazaar might be able to bind some components of arsenic. So possibly bazaars were an antidote to a one specific poison. And it was a very common one throughout most of Western history was arsenic poisoning. So maybe bazaars work on arsenic, which is so cool. That's super cool. I love that. And it's, yeah, it's neat that, like, maybe that's why it was such a common, like, pop, not common, but, like, popular sought-after practice because, like, some people had seen it work one time. So then they're, like, totally convinced that it works every time. And with every poison. hmm No. Just possibly maybe arsenic if it's a hair bazaar. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And what? A wonderful journey we've taken into the world of, you know, pearls that can form inside your guts. Yeah, gut pearls. Gut pearls. (laughs) Yay. Magical gut pearls. (laughs) Magical gut pearls. I, I didn't get to dig into this one enough, but I saw that most of the lore around bazaars in America tends to call them mad stones. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. And some of the things they were thought to cure were more along the line of like rabies. So Madstone helped, you know, cure mental stuff. And this was in the few articles I read, I didn't get to dig into it deeply. It seemed like this was more of a thing for for like settlers and colonists in and not necessarily an indigenous practice, although I'm sure indigenous people did notice bazaars in the animals that they were harvesting and had their own you know, folklore concerning it, but I didn't get to come across any of that yet. Bazaars. Bazaars. Worth a fun Google image search. Yeah, check out some of that jewelry. It's neat. (laughs) It's super neat. Awesome. They're also really popular in cabinets of curiosities, which is a topic that we should do sometime. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, fun cabinet for all your trinkets. Yeah, my trinkets. (laughs) Awesome. So make sure your persimmons are ripe. <laughs> Very important. Otherwise, or or just you know, eat, drink some coke with your <laughs> unripened persimmons. Exactly. That's been a lot of fun. <laughs> um. Oh, did we have any promotion before we wrapped this up? Um. I have my preview page up for the pronoun pals Kickstarter. If you would like to be informed as soon as that goes live on i think june 13th i've been saying mid-june but i'm planning on june 13th and i don't i don't see why i shouldn't be able to make that happen uh so june 13th that will happen uh and you know zodiac pins they're coming (laughs) (laughs) i've been threatening them for a long time i did take all of the pictures of them so that's a big step in them coming Uh, and they're all available at your shows you've been bringing them to shows I brought them to Crafty Supermarket for the first time, and I think they're going to come with on the tour. It depends on if they fit into my stuff. Fantastic. I will be having a big Pride-themed update on the last Sunday in May. Don't know what that is, but it'll be 9 a.m. Pacific, and then I will have my Bifrost Mist colorway as well as my Progress Gigantic Self-Striping. That is May uh, 28th, just for people's brains. (laughs) May 28th. 
the last Sunday in May. And five dollars from every skein of self striping will be going to help queer people keep being alive, which we like. Mm-hmm. Hooray! As this Pride Month comes up, I guess I will throw out the disclaimer: Rainbow capitalism bad. Support small makers, but let's not out people who might still be in the closet. Yay. Hooray! <laughs> Both of us, mm-hmm. queer makers, Pride Woo. Month. Hooray! Mm-hmm. <laughs> And if you're looking for any of our content anywhere around the internet, please head on over to fibercoven.com. That will have show notes for the podcast you just listened to, links to our super rad Patreon, where we do a whole nother podcast, as well as this one on video. And then it will also get you links to my yarn or Emily's patterns and merch. Mm-hmm. Hooray. Fibercoven.com for your fiber company needs. And until next week, keep making yarn magic. Bye. Bye.